0: Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Willie Lawson. I trust that you are well today, that things are going great where you live, things are going great how you live, and that we are looking forward to the next thing that you have to do. The next thing on your agenda, I hope, is going to go swimmingly. It'll be amazing and that you'll be amazing. <clears throat> um, you guys have been really doing good. You guys have been listening to the podcast. You've been sharing it. It's been going gangbusters, and that's just so exciting to me, and I think it sounds okay. I think the audio audio quality is as good as it's ever been, so I'm very, very excited about how things are progressing. I wanted to sort of tell you some things that are happening around here, and um, and I'm getting some opportunities. That I hadn't had before. Uh, this, um, you guys know that I contribute on the Porch Talk Radio program, eleven fifty a.m., which is WTMP here locally. And the the host, the main host, Eddie Adams Jr., is um, going to be indisposed um, this weekend. I think he is attending the funeral of his mother-in-law, and so our condolences from this program and me and you guys go out to. The, uh, the Adams family, and um, we're here for you. We're here for you. Um, Mrs. Adams, we are here for you. <clears throat> and next week, on the 20th, if you are in the Tampa Bay area, um, it seems like I have an opportunity, and, we'll, and I'll let you know more later. Um, there is a, um, a program on WWBA, 820 a.m., um, that airs on saturday from three to six that i will have a chance to, to 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 host um to sit in as a host and so i'm looking forward to that as a matter of fact i'm looking forward to it so much that i actually practiced last night so if i'm a little tongue-tied tonight because i was up till like 3 a.m um practicing uh because i wanted to get a good i want to get a good show in i've got a lot of to cover in three hours, although three hours, and, and if you've ever done this, if you've ever done podcasting or if you've ever had the opportunity to be on radio, uh, three hours is an awfully long time. It just is. And if you don't plan, you are S double screwed because the time will stop on your ass and go backwards. You'll think you've done five minutes and you've actually don- gone on like a minute and a half. So if you don't plan, you are dead. So I am planning and practicing. So if you're in the Tampa Bay area, uh, on Saturday from three to six on the 20th, next week, not this Saturday, but next week, um, listen for me on WWBA. I will let you know more as the time approaches, you know, this girl, this woman, and I don't use "girl" and, and, and please. I'm not trying to use "girl" in a pejorative sense. Uh, I'm not. I know it sounds that way, and this this woman is a um, U.S. representative, United States representative. So there is accomplishment there, and I don't really care what she did beforehand. I don't know. I don't care if she was a bartender. I don't care if she worked with Hooters. I don't really care. I don't care if she was a dancer or a stripper. I don't. It, it, it doesn't matter. Right now, her position is that she is a U.S. Congresswoman, and that's an accomplishment. Not everybody gets to do that. So there you are. Her name is Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Um, she's from. She's a Democrat from New York. From, I think she represents the area of the Bronx, although she is not from there. And I have generally, you know what, tried not to talk about her because everybody else is talking about her um, being a gaffe machine and she just seems to be outrageous and and doesn't always get it right. Yeah. And people are, atta- it's it easy for folks to attack her aggressively. And I normally don't. I, I haven't really said much about her. But recently, in the past week or so, she had a chance to speak at a gathering uh, honoring um, Al Sharpton. And what was interesting is that she did the, it's so funny, did the very same thing, the very same thing, um, that... Hillary Clinton did when speaking to the NAACP she, she sort of started doing this whole black affectation this sort of hood affectation and I'm like no she's not really no she's not no she's not trying to sound black Trying to sound hoodish. Trying to sound, you know what, like she's down with the cause cause you know what is you know what is us, you know, and, and our people, you know, saying, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, right? But sure enough, off she went. And and frankly, when I see that kind of stuff, I just sigh. I'm like, oh Jesus. And I say this, and I've said this to you before, and I'm going to say this to you again right now. What's mm-hmm. awesome is that the, the left always oversteps. It is, we may not see it right away, but you can pretty much be sure that it's coming. That some overstep, some ridiculousness is on the way. And sure enough, there it is. And what <clears throat> and, and what people of color, or black people, are to look at is like, are you serious? Is she taking you seriously? Is there? Is this the person and by proxy is this the party that you want representing you in things of importance to your community? Do you think they have your best interest? <clears throat> Frankly, the question needs to be asked in most black, black communities does either of the major parties have your best interest at heart? That is a fair question. If you look at the major cities in America now, it's a fair question to ask, do either of these major parties have the best interest of my community at heart? Should I attach my wagon to either of them? That is a fair question. And we'll all have to decide that on our own. And a lot of us have. But when we look at um, Hillary Clinton, when we look at Bill Clinton, mass incarcerations. I ain't in no ways tired. I keep I keep hot sauce in my purse. What? Excuse me. You keep hot sauce in your purse for what? I don't know any anybody black that keeps hot sauce in their purse. What the hell are you talking about? I know a lot of black women and I don't know one that keeps hot, keeps food stuff like hot sauce in her purse. Condiments in her purse. It's just stupid. The lack of respect. The total lack of respect that some of these leftists have for black people is astounding. Astounding. Absolutely, positively astounding. I may have told the story, and I will tell it again. One of the best parts of getting older is that you have stories. I was at a local political gathering at a local coffee shop, a coffee shop that I am so glad I found. Um, It is one of my favorites. It is Buddy Brew. Buddy Brew is um, on the corner of Canada and right off Kennedy right off the corner of Kennedy and Howard um, and they're everywhere really there's one there's buddy brew coffee at um, Oxford exchange downtown there's buddy brew coffee everywhere so just look up buddy brew go to Google and look up buddy brew coffee and when and when you go there get the the Ethiopian pour over decaf pour over oh uh, It's got sort of chocolate notes, and um, it's sort of sweet without actually being sweet. So you don't need any creamer, you don't need any sugar, you don't need anything except a nice clean palate and some time to really enjoy it. It's all you really need. Good folks. And I was so excited that that they actually were the coffee place at the Republican National Convention when it was here in town a number of years ago. It was great. It was great going down there every day because we were on Radio Row. The program was on Radio Row at the convention. Yeah, that was cool. And um, <clears throat> going down there every day and grabbing a free cup of coffee um, from Buddy Brew it was just the best. And um, going down there and seeing people that I already knew and that was and that was cool. Uh, and it was, the, it was it was it inter- was interesting. It was in the, in the Google Room, and it was the first uh, rollout of Google Hangout at the Republican National Convention in 2012. So it was neat. It was it, it was a really neat experience. Anyway, I was at Buddy Brew. See how, how I can just go off? Uh, I was at Buddy Brew, and um, one of the county commissioners well, would have Friday gatherings there. And all sorts of people would show up because, frankly, the county commissioner was a Republican, but a fairly progressive Republican. And... Um, <clears throat> Representing a fairly progressive part of the county, and he would come, and a lot of people would come, a lot of people from both sides of the political aisle. Um, some some Democrat progressives would come, and and he would have guests uh, like the like Mayor Baker was there one one time. Guests from actually from all walks of life and all walks of politics, and there would be conversation, and it was frankly was very very cool. Uh, but one particular morning, there was this young man. Um, this young progressive Democrat, uh, we were having a discussion about how Black people were doing, and what I and what I said, and, I, and he overheard me saying that um, had it not been for Johnson's war on the poor, we may have a handle on some of these things that we're dealing with now. And then he said, "Did you say war? Johnson's war on the poor?" I said, "Yes, because that's exactly what it was." It was taking black people. It was taking poor people, black people ostensibly, and putting them on high-rise reservations, stealing their property to, to, through eminent no ba- domain and and gentrification, um, and just putting them on on these high-rise plantations. They ended up being some of the most dangerous places in the city to live. All the while, making it almost impossible for families to um, do well, or even get assistance, if the if the male of the family was in the house at all. Johnson did more to break up black families than any one president in the since slavery. And I went off because you know I have a tendency to go off. Uh, I'm a little talkative. And then he said to me, "So you really don't think that black people would be as far along as they are." Had it not been for Johnson's Great society, I said, "Are I, 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 are you kidding? Are you kidding? The most racist some bitch ever to hit the white ever hit, to hit the Oval Office. That person was responsible for the advancement of black people in America. The very same black people that invented physics. The same. The very same black people that um, that, that that invented mathematics." And and every science, the very same those very same black people? That very same heritage? Are you serious? That we would not be as far along had it not been for the for the most racist son of bitch ever to hit the Oval Office? That Glendon Baines Johnson was the salvation of African Americans and America? You can't even believe that. The son of a bitch who is responsible for breaking up more black families again than slavery? you got to be kidding me. And I kind of went off on him. And he kind of sort of backed away. Um, I wasn't as, as controlled and stayed as I am now. Uh, but it was absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, that they always go too far, they always do they always, and, and they feel emboldened to say the most heinous, ridiculous things, ridiculous things that gets us back to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who's in LaGuardia the other day apparently and she happens upon let's see if I can read the tweet here croissants at LaGuardia are going for $7 a piece This is what she tweets. Yet some people think it's a whole, getting a whole hour of personal, dedicated human labor for $15 is too expensive. Now, almost immediately, almost immediately, let's see the timeline here. Uh, Well, in a couple hours, Mike, Mikhail Smith's tweets, New news break. Croissants are available in LaGuardia for $3.29. nine cents. Three dollars Half of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is reported $7. They're also are already paying, the airport is already paying between 15 and $19 minimum wage. You're welcome. And that was uh, via free, free, FreeBeacon.com. So, quick recap. Alexandria Costo Cortez gets on Twitter and says that the, there are the cross to the croissants in LaGuardia Airport in New York are $7. And shouldn't we be paying $15 an hour for for humans? Well, here's the deal. You can find croissants in LaGuardia. For three twenty nine, and you can and you can also look at the the minimum wage in Laguardia already is fifteen to nineteen dollars, which has a lot to do with the seven dollar croissants you found. Now you can find them for half the price, but when you're paying people nineteen dollars an hour to make a, a a flaky bun. This is what you get. You get seven bucks an hour. You get seven bucks a croissant. In reality, LaGuardia Airport in New York City already has a $15 minimum wage. Andrew Kerr of The Daily Caller pointed out that LaGuardia has a higher minimum rate than the target number of most progressives. The Port Authority of New York and New Jersey approved $19 minimum wage, $9,000 an hour minimum wage for many LaGuardia workers in September of 2008, according to the New York Times. is the highest minimum wage target set by any public agency in the country. Ocasio Cortez did not need to drop seven bucks if she wanted a croissant. Moreover, if she's willing to accept pastries from Albon Payne, in LaGuardia's Terminal C, she can get a croissant for, there for only $3.29. As a Washington Free Beacons confirmed in a phone call, um, in a separate call, a representative from Bombayne in LaGuardia explained that the minimum wage is $15 an hour for some staff and $19, $19 for airport workers in the new terminals. It's already 15 So when she has these these temper tantrums these goes on these rants, the problem is when you do this it isn't that she doesn't it. it's that she doesn't and she doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. That's the problem you want to go you know I love your energy I just I would, I, you know I just wish you'd have had some some intelligence wrapped around it I love your energy. I love that you don't give a, you don't give up about it. That you have no f's to give. I got it. You you don't care what people think about you. Gotcha. That's probably really good that you don't. But at the same time, if you're now going to represent people, if you're if you're now going to represent me, I need you to have your facts together. The people who 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 need you. The people who you represent need you to have your facts together. They need to have you to have you together, girl. Otherwise, all that energy means zero. It means nothing. And will have zero positive effect. Understand? Will have zero positive effect. So you gotta. Somebody's gotta tell her she, she needs to get started getting her act together. She needs to start getting her act together. And the sooner, and the sooner that she gets her act together, the sooner that she gets her act together, she needs to calm down the rhetoric and be more effective. I'm pretty sure I am and and this sounds terrible but I am pretty sure that before too long rank and file Democrats are going to start walking away are going to start walking away from that side of the Democrat Party they're going to start walking away from the democrat party and the farther they walk away from the democrat party now i'm not, now i'm going to tell you these folks are not going to turn into raving conservatives trump supporters that's not going to happen it it isn't. That will be dumb. But what but what what is going to happen is that the support that these people think they have, they're not going. They they simply don't have. I did a um a podcast a couple of nights ago. You probably saw that already. Is that that what the, the left is really doing? All they can to give us more Trump. We're going to have more Trump in two thousand twenty. And it's going to be partially because of the outrageousness and ridiculousness right now of the left. It's going to be outrageous. I mean, it's it's going to be kind of incredible, but that's what's going to happen. That's exactly what's going to happen. We're going to end up, you know, you're going to end up with more Trump. You might as well get used to it. You might as well just sort of, sort of settle your settle your little spirits, and get used to it. All your misbehavior, all your whining, all it does is, and all your tears just feed into the monster that is Trump, and it rolls down off his cheeks and his chin. To the waiting mouths of his supporters, and they just and they just get stronger. They just get stronger. All right, we're going to finish up with this um, kind of off-topic thing. Uh, I did a um, a podcast a little bit ago about that w- that we're headed back to to separate. And I posted um, the Prager video with with um, showing that um, a lot of white progressives are perfectly okay with segregation. Now, one of my detractors—I I have detractors, I really do—posted um, a, a um, something from a website called the College Fix. Uh, Original student reported your daily dose of right-minded news and commentary from across the nation. Yeah, okay. Um, And this one is activism under racial issues. Black students are demanding segregated spaces from white students. This is an article written by Alec Dent from UNC Chapel Hill. Segregated, quote, safe spaces, end quote. Black college students across the country have demanded they be segregated from white peers calling for, quote, safe spaces on campuses meant only for so-called students of color. The requests for segregated spaces are found among the demands of lists put forth by students who took part in protests this fall, alleging their campuses are oppressive, discriminatory, and represent institutionalized racism. The, ma- the demands, this is, I'm going to go back to that. Hang on, hang on. I'm going to go back to that in just a second. Uh, the demands that, ha- that have been presented uh, to campus administrators are chronicled by the, quote, the demands.org, um, a website run by a racial advocacy group called the Black Liberation Collective. Black Liberation Theology? Hmm. Not all of the 76 demands, demand lists, each from different universities, seek segregated spaces, but several do. Um, at UCLA, the Af- African uh, Student Union insists on, upon an African dysphoria floor as well as an Afro house. I guess you could look like Billy Preston in that house. Black students lack spaces where they feel safe and comfortable. The UCLA demand state the African diasporia floor is a way for us to connect more to other Black students. The African Student Union and the afro the Afroam Department. The floor should be branded as a safe space for Black students. As for the creation and support of the UCLA Afro House, the demand state that many Black students cannot afford to live in Westwood. With a high price of rent, an Afro house would provide a cheaper alternative housing solution for black students that would have also served as a safe space for black Bruins to congregate and learn from each other. At NYU, students demanded that within NYU's two thousand. 31 plan, they have guaranteed that an entire floor of a mixed-use building in the Southern Superblock Plan be entirely dedicated to students of color and another for queer students on campus. Students at UC Berkeley demanded the creation of an African American Student Development Resource Center with a designated office space, as well as space for hosting events at a central campus location, the center is to be under the purview of the African-American Student Development Office. The resource center will serve as a space for campus for black students to gather, host programming, and offer support to black student organizations, all contributing to community building, increased stability, and greater feeling of belonging at the university and demand add. Now, stop. I'm gonna st- I, mean, I am going to stop there. My question is very simple. How the, do you think that you're going to become more a part of the university if indeed you intentionally separate yourself? If you intentionally separate yourself from the rest of the university community, how do you feel that that is going to make you more a part of it? Increased ability and greater feeling of belonging at the university when you have decided that you would segregate yourself now this is very interesting because i'm looking at it from as a 58 year old man what would have happened if these things were in place and this is where black people had to go well you can't just hang around on campus you have to go to the black four no uh we can't offer you housing but there's a and there's an afro house that you can live in You can live in the Afro house What? Afro house? What the hell is that? It's UCLA niggertown is what it is Let's Just be honest about what it is This is UCLA niggertown Now, this is interesting Black students lack spaces where they Where they feel safe and comfortable the UCLA demand state okay. what's the most progressive social justice friendly place anywhere in the country college campuses college and university campuses so if you're black on a university campus And you don't feel safe Or comfortable You're not going to feel safe Or comfortable anywhere Anywhere And see First of all, I don't, I, don't, I don't believe any of that's true Now if it were true What does that say About the condition of colleges and universities If that happens to be true What does that say about what's going on On campuses Is what we're seeing actually happening Or is there some undertone That uh, people are virtue signaling And they're saying all these things But nobody really means it Everybody's looking at black kids on campus going, what the hell are you doing here, Darkie? You probably got here through some affirmative action bullshit, right? What's actually, so what's actually going on? I won't read the rest of this article. Um, This gives you the idea. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you, I'm I'm just going to tell you. we got so much work to do. All of us have so much work to do. And in so many different areas. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you don't think that you can run for office or support somebody and be in a campaign and, and, and attack it from the political side, here's what you can do. If you have kids... Raise your kids. Talk to them. When they come home from, from, from middle school or high school or the playground with these ridiculous, progressive, outrageous ideas and ideals that you know aren't based in anything but bull crap, challenge them. Make them defend them. Make them come up with facts. Make them defend them. Because no one else is doing that. Everything else is an echo chamber. Say that, you know what, you can You, you know, tell them, you can have whatever opinion you want, but you're going to have to defend it. You don't just get to have it. When they say that there's institutionalized racism, say, what is institutionalized racism? Tell me what that is. I don't know what that is. And they say, well, you know what it is. No, tell me what you think it is. Where it is inherent in the institution. In what? Attitude? Policy? Rules? Regulation? Tell me. Make them defend it. Every ridiculous, progressive, cliche, make them defend every damn one of them. Because if you do that, then they'll start questioning, hopefully. Then they'll see that maybe they're being fed a line of bull by some of their professors. And what happens is the professors push out this pamphlet and they spit it back and forth between each other until somehow they think, well, everybody thinks this way. No. And I'm going to tell all the talented 10th who are um, looking for black safe spaces, y'all are some sad, pathetic people. Sorry. You may have a lot of energy, a lot of attitude, and you might want to cuss me out, but y'all are some sad, pathetic people. We're talking about we're talking about black activists who have put life on the life and limb on the on the line, had dogs sicked on them, water hoses, hung from trees, churches, homes, community centers burned to the ground. And you don't feel safe on a college campus? Now, everybody should feel physically safe. Van Jones said, you know what? And I'm just saying what Van Jones said. Everybody should feel physically safe. But you should not have to be safe from an idea. You should not, not, not think you have to be safe from a thought or a statement. That someone may say something to you. And you can say something back. It's ridiculous. It is outrageous. It is a kind of progressivism that is that is dangerous. Raise your kids, folks. You know, we got to get out of here and make room for somebody else. So until we see you again, go out there and learn something, love somebody, and for goodness sakes, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, take care of yourself. We will see you when we see you. Bye-bye now